You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're going to have an interesting, fun, enlightening conversation, I can tell already, with today's episode. Um, where we just try to have straightforward, honest conversations about what goes on behind closed doors or on your couch or on the table or in the car or wherever married sex may be happening. We want it to be fantastic. We want to have a deeper connection that happens in your relationship and to touch on all kinds of aspects and topics. And the way we know where we're heading with a lot of our episodes is from the Sexy Marriage Nation itself. And they call us at 214-702-9565 or... They can email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com with their questions, their comments, their thoughts, their topics that they want addressed. Um, And we try to head where they want to go because this is listener-driven radio by the sexiest audience in the world, which is the Sexy Marriage Nation. Um, We also ask you, if you like what's going on here, please jump on iTunes and rate and review us. Help us climb the charts and spread the word. And so that leads me to uh, how I met or found uh, Dr. Chuck McNee, who I just met, you know, 10 minutes ago, when we, when, right before we started getting the show rolling. But uh, I was doing some Googling on tantric sex and spirituality and some of the myths and surroundings, you know, just, I, I don't even remember how I found you, Chuck, but it was, I remember that was what started it, which then led me to... Uh, my guest today, which is Dr. Chuck McNee. He's a clinical psychologist, correct? Correct. Yep. And, and then I'll let you fill in, fill in the rest real quick, and then we'll kind of uh, get into the research and the topic that you've kind of made a name for. All right. Sure. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've been teaching uh, and practicing psychology since 1984, actually five years in San Francisco at a small private college. And then since 89, I've uh, been in uh, Langley, British Columbia, Canada, teaching at Trinity Western University, which is kind of the, the premier Christian university in, in Canada. And uh, I teach uh, human sexuality and personality and some other uh, subjects. But uh, my main area of research has been in the area of, of sexuality and spirituality. And uh, Kind of got into that. Oh, I should say something else about myself. I've been married for 42 years. Congratulations. <laughs> so uh, I'm, uh, my wife and I were puppies when we got married. And, uh, <laughs> and we still enjoy our, our life together for sure. We have three children and uh, four grandchildren. And uh, we're just really blessed to have them living fairly close so that we can see them That's good. very regularly. And uh, it's... it's uh, it's great. It's great to be alive and great to be part of a uh, family. Right. And so what I'm, what I'm intrigued about is, is the whole concept and the interplay between sexuality and spirituality, because that's, yeah. that's how I found you. Right. Um, and, and just in the research that, and I believe the quote that if, if I'm going to paraphrase this was that uh, the spirituality of sex is in for Christians is actually better than tantric sex or so, something yeah. to that effect that you said in some article. Right. And so I was like, yeah. okay, 
I'm hooked. Tell me more. So, so how did, how did this unfold? Yeah, I think that article is from the Vancouver Sun, which is the, one of the big local newspapers and they try to spice it up and make it controversial <laughs> a little bit. But, of course. Uh, I'll just tell you a little bit of uh, how I got interested in this. We live in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, I, I heard the, the name tantric. I hadn't really heard much about tantric sex before. Um, and so I investigate a little bit, and it's obviously the, the Hindu Eastern kind of uh, religious pathway, actually, to find spiritual nirvana. They use sexual kind of techniques to, to do that, which was interesting. Um, but then I discovered something as I was working with clients. It seemed like when they had some kind of spiritual experience, it affected their sexual uh, experience as well. Okay. Um, so I had a client that was very depressed and, and uh, um, uh, one day she told me that she'd never had an orgasm with her husband or, or never had an orgasm in her life, actually. And, and depression certainly inhibits libido. But I, uh, I thought that was curious. And uh, we talked some more. Things were getting a little better. But one day she came in and I could tell that things were different. Right. And I uh, asked her what had happened. She said, well, our neighbors invited us to go to this uh, church to religious this these meetings we we aren't church people but we went we found God and and that was pretty incredible but here's the thing that really amazed me went home and had sex and for the first time in my life I had an orgasm okay and I thought, oh that's interesting <laughs> uh, and then I I started reading the mystics I started reading John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and and Catherine of of uh, Norwich and, and different people. And I discovered that as they commune with God, they commune in very, very erotic language. It, it almost okay. sounded like they were in some kind of spiritual, sexual connection with God that, again, was quite intriguing to me. Yes. And then I was looking through history a little bit, and I, I came across this idea, or, or this fact, actually, that... Um, uh, that uh, the, the early, <clears throat> the frontier, you know, 150, 200 years ago was evangelized by the tent meeting. And there were these men that would follow these meetings from town to town. They were rogues because they knew that spiritually heightened women were easy. And, and uh, okay. one cynical observer actually yep. said there were probably more conceptions and conversions at those <laughs> meetings. And, it, and okay. so it got me thinking that the sexual and the spiritual must be pretty close Right. Together. Right. In terms of their energies and in terms of their uh, origins and so on. And so I started doing research and I ended up doing my doctoral dissertation, actually, on the connection between sexuality and spirituality. And and this is what I discovered. You want me to just go for yeah, it? Yeah, go. Yeah, you're, you're doing great. I'm just going to buckle up and, and come along okay. for the ride. <laughs> OK, we'll go for it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I discovered, it in, at least in my understanding, uh that the root of sexuality to me is incompleteness, yearning for wholeness, that there's something missing. Okay. And so uh, I'm yearning for completion and I'm looking for another person to complete me. And what is the root of spirituality? I think it's the same thing. It's incompleteness, yearning for wholeness. Okay. There's something missing, something that is meaningful, that gives me purpose that uh, I think is transcendent. Yeah. I, I believe God. And so we're yearning for that. So out of this state of incompleteness, 
we are yearning for more. And that's kind of the root of sexuality and spirituality. And, and my favorite definition of sexuality is actually by uh, a person named Nelson who says that sexuality is who we are as body selves who experience the emotional, the cognitive, the physical, and spiritual need for intimate, intimate communion, both spiritually or, or both creaturely and, and divine. Okay. And so there's, there's something going on there. Um, and uh, as a Christian, I started thinking about that in terms of what the Bible says about that. And the Hebrew word for sex, obviously, is yada, which literally translated means to know. Okay. King James says, you know, Adam knew Eve, she begat Cain. Yep. But it kind of indicates that there's this deeper um, discovery, this mysterious knowing that, that only happens when we are intimate right. uh, sexually with right. another person. And, uh, and then I discover that's the same word used for God knowing us in the Hebrew scriptures. Really? It, in the prophets, God knows our hearts and God is is no knew us before we were born it's the same word it's a very sexual and spiritual word and if you look at the metaphors used in the bible they're very sexual right yes. god's relationship with his people in the new testament it's the bride and the bridegroom and yep. they get it on you know and the old testament it's god saying through the prophets why are you whoring after other gods i made you to have sex with me right you're just going to be disappointed you're just you're just going to be unfulfilled right and unsatisfied. So, so there's something profound about this. And Very. of course, the two, the two really big garden stories in the Old Testament are the Garden of Eden. We don't know much about it. Two naked people who communed with God. Um, wow. You know, they called it paradise. Right, right. <laughs> Must have been pretty special. I mean, there, uh and the other garden story is the Song of Songs, which is a very erotic duet. That, yep between Solomon and his lover. And, uh, and many people think that's an allegory of God's relationship with his chosen people. And, right. and so there's something really kind of mysterious about all this. And, and of course, I think the church throughout history has been very affected by, at least the early church was very affected by Hellenistic doctrines like Manichaeanism and asceticism, uh, Gnosticism, which separate the body from the spirit. And so the body's bad and you put it to death and the spirit's good right? and you elevate the spirit. And so sex and spirit like that's just that they're, they're separate. Yeah. They're, they're not good things together then, but in reality, wait, hold on. Maybe the they are. If you're, if you're really spiritual, you aren't sexual. Right. I mean, so <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that's, that's the way. I mean, I, I mean, I think in some ways, uh, the Catholic Church might be a little bit influenced by that because if if you're really separate for God, you know you're you're celibate, right? Right. right. And so, Middle Ages, they had all sorts of weird ideas about sex, and if you were if you had sex, you need to go through this cleansing process before you could be uh, take communion again, and all right. those kinds. Of things. Right. So, so anyway, all these things kind of lead me to wonder what's really going on here, and to um, try to investigate this relationship between sexuality and spirituality. And I also discovered that when you get on a spiritual plane with somebody, it can easily cross over. Okay. Because the two energies are very similar. And, um, and, and of course, you know, in, in marriage, that's a good thing, but right. 
other situations, that's not always a, a good thing. And, and that's why I think, you know, counselors and youth workers and pastors and people that are really spiritually intimate with other people really need to watch their step because right. it can, it can, it can really cross over and it, and it happens. Right. Absolutely. So I, um, yeah, I wanted to, to investigate what this was all about. Okay. And I, I, I uh, read things on tantric sex, but I wanted to know if there was actually a Christian experience uh, where Christians experience the presence of God while they're having sex. And so I actually did a phenomenological study where I interviewed five Christian men and five Christian women who had experienced the presence of God while they were sexually intimate. And I want to tell you that it blows the doors off of what most people know about sexual intimacy. Okay, how so? Well, I mean, so so this kind of inter- interview, you just ask them right. about their experience, right? And then, and then these themes emerge and so on. But there were a number of themes that came out, like uh, the sense of wonder and amazement. Like people were overwhelmed that God would participate with them in this very intimate and very um, connecting kind of experience. And there's a sense of emotional cleansing. Most people were were very emotional and sometimes they cried right? Uh, and it wasn't just, you know, weeping for sadness at all. It was just more of an right. emotional, cathartic experience. Almost like an overwhelming, exactly euphoric yeah. kind of a feeling where just the emotion just comes out that way. Exactly. Okay. Like just, it comes from the depths and it just, it, it, it uh, has to, has to leave their experience in, in a way. And there, they talked about the intensity of the union like they'd never felt so close. It was like um, the barriers between them were no longer there. They were one. Right. Uh, it actually kind of reminds me of the the French term for orgasm. They refer to it as la petit mort, which means the little death. Okay. And so it's kind of like you you die to self. Right. So that you can merge with another person. So okay. where you end and the other person begins, you no longer can tell the difference. So they talked about that and they talked about this euphoric kind of transcendent experience. And it was a very sacred uh, moment. And that was, it was very pleasurable. Like the pleasure was beyond what normally had been right. experienced. Right. It was more than just exactly. the physical. Exactly. But, but still very physical. Absolutely. Uh, which is interesting because the tantric people actually want you to deny orgasm, to forget orgasm so that you can find spiritual okay. high. But this was full person, it's all right? Body, soul, spirit, the whole business. Uh, you know, women were multiply orgasmic, that kind of thing. Uh, it was very holistic and very transcendent. And they felt, they felt blessed and full of awe and, and it was full of mystery and, and, all these things, like people don't generally talk about all those things. Right. They talk about a, you know, a normal kind of sexual encounter. Right. So, it, so obviously this is a very peak spiritual sexual encounter that changed them too, because okay. afterwards they felt very passionate. Uh, I remember one guy said, after we, my wife and I have one of these experiences, it's not like they have them all the time, but, right. but when we do, uh, he said, sometimes I have to, I think I need to wear a hoodie because I think I'm glowing. <laughs> and people are going <laughs> to wonder what's going on with me. But, but you know, they, they just, 
they just felt more passionate about life. And, yeah. And, and is that, and, do you think that the, is there, is there a correlation to what you were saying earlier of, of discovering that the need for sex and the need for spirituality is trying to find completeness, if yeah. you will. And then you couple that with the idea of uh, the yada or the knowing, you know, right. I, I, they knew them. They, right. And there's something kind of uh, extremely powerful about the human soul of when it, when we are seen and known. And then we oh. also experience that from somebody else. And then you add a spiritual being to it. That, yeah. that That's like a, a huge recipe for, for greatness. Well, and actually, the secular research also confirms this. Okay. Uh, we have quite a few researchers on the east coast of Canada here, Menard and Kleinplatz and those people, and they talk about optimal sex. And, uh, and one of the facilitating um, kind of factors that they talk about a lot is, is honesty and being known. And, and actually being in a place of so much safety with this other person right. that you can bear not only your body, but your soul. Right. And have it held and have it accepted. And, and while that's risky, yep. it's also transforming. Right. It's, it's totally unifying. And I think, I think a lot of us are kind of afraid to take that leap. Uh, we're afraid to really... Let ourselves be yeah. known, you know, like our, our feelings, our thoughts, our our desires, our 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 what we what we actually experience with the other person in that moment. Uh, um, but if we if we could do that, <laughs> that would be part of the the transformation process, as as well as actually inviting God to be part of it. Yeah, now, wouldn't that? Well, I, I'm still, what comes to my mind is one of my clients early on in my practice when, um, I don't, this had to be kind of a, uh, divine thing that happened in the session for me, because yeah. as we were talking and she was by herself, I'd been working with the couple, but she, she was talking when she came in by herself once and she was talking about guilt and shame associated with sex. Yeah. And I just, for whatever reason, blurted out, well, have you ever thought about praying? during it and actually inviting God into that aspect of, his, of your life that he created. And exactly. she was like, are you kidding me? I can't do that. <laughs> right. That's no, those things don't go together, but you're sitting here saying when it does go together, that's how we touch it, touch something even more profound. Exactly. In fact, I, I mean that, that whole notion of God not being part of sex is that dualistic yeah. kind of heritage that we inherited. But, but uh, because the other part of the, my study actually asked these participants, what were the facilitating factors that led to this spiritual sexual encounter? Okay. And communion with God was a big one. Okay. Like actually praying together. Um, because actually I think prayer is a very vulnerable thing. If it's real, yeah, absolutely. It real is heartfelt prayer, not absolutely you know, praying for the missionaries, but like more like, you know, God, this is what's going on with me. And in yeah. the presence of my partner and my spouse, I want to tell you that I'm actually feeling a little distant from you and I'm actually not feeling very great. And, and yet I kind of long to experience more of your passion and your prayer, like that kind of prayer. Yeah. Whoa. That, yeah. Kind of makes the well, present. That's a really part of being known, right? You're 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 making yourself yeah. known, and 
in the presence of of God, but also in the presence of your partner, if that's the case, exactly. if yeah. participating. And I think that breaks down our walls. In fact, I often tell people, couples, to start praying naked together, and then, yeah, and then take it from there, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, other other things that facilitated were things like uh, uh, forgiveness, confession, forgiveness, right? Which obviously, if there's there's issues right. that need be uh, removed barriers then uh, then there needs to be some kind of for, uh, forgiveness and uh, that that brings reconciliation but but also just taking the time and setting the space you know this, this is not a five minute deal <laughs> <laughs> hope not <laughs> no, this is this is a you know this is kind of setting up maybe even with rituals okay. um, like um, music or you know, bathing or uh, incense. I'm not into that, but, but some just, people. Are. Well, just set, setting up the environment and just taking exactly. care and setting up a stage and a scenario. That and not having it. time limits on it. Okay. You know, just just having a um, yeah, an ontological context where things can just be free and open up and 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 see what happens, right? So and, I, and maybe looking into each other's eyes yes. and all those. So that that begs the question, though, Chuck, of is part of the pushback maybe you've received or the reluctance people may have hearing the combination of these two of of sexuality and spirituality, because you even touched on the idea that a lot of the language, especially in the Hebrew, is very erotic in nature. Right. And is it because as humans, especially in our society today, um, there's a part of us that's scared of the erotic or it's shamed or it's a taboo or, I mean, there's a lot of different messages that come alongside this thing that could be derailing it before it even gets started. Well, it it is interesting. I think there's a lot of paradox with like we desire it, but we fear it. Yes. We, we, we really long for this connection, but we're, we're very afraid that if we actually opened up that much, whoa, what right. would this other <laughs> what, what would I do? Well, that's a, I say this on the show several times of, I, I, I have a belief that uh, a lot of husbands, though they say, I really want a sexually fully turned on wife, yeah. there's a part of them that's scared if that actually happened. Oh, I yeah, it freaked <laughs> them out. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I can handle that much. <laughs> Well, well, and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, sex is such a paradox. I think spirituality is too. Okay. And that, and that the ultimate is letting go, right? It's surrender. Yes, yes it to, is. To the experience. And, and we're, that's scary because we want control and we, yep. we don't want to find out what might happen if we really let go. And, and that's what happens in spirituality. If you really let go, you might discover god or parts of ourself that maybe we weren't really that keen on discovering right and same in relationship with another person so tough choice yeah. but, <laughs> it's, but, and, it's, and it's one we can't get around but valuable and worth it if we take the risk absolutely right? that's i love that's fantastic because you think about the idea of I've always had the, the, the belief that a lot of the problems we face in married life are our own doing, right? Yeah. That I keep getting in my own way. And what you're proposing yeah. and what you've discovered is 
maybe what I'm how I'm missing out on what could be even possible is because I'm getting in my own way in the fear of surrendering, in the fear of truly being vulnerable and being seen, being known. Right, right. Yeah. That's good. And and that's the mystery, right? That's the mystery. Yeah, it is. So so you're saying you don't have the mystery solved that you can now share with us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my... my, uh, my take on that is that I think we need to learn how to celebrate mystery rather than solve it. <laughs> Nicely and, played. <laughs> and I think if we can learn how to celebrate the mystery and just kind of go, wow, this is, this is amazing. And this is mysterious. And isn't it amazing that I get to be part of the mystery, like whatever mystery is out there. Right. Right. But, but our orientation is we want to solve it. Cause then we think we can, Kind of have control. Well, that yeah, have, that goes back to the control it, factor of now all of a sudden I don't have something out there that I can't harness or understand or use yeah. to my benefit, and instead I've got to just recognize how do I experience these things rather right. than control them. Yeah, and it's it's crazy in our adulthood. You know, we need to kind of have faith as a child again, and just kind of go for the spontaneity and the experience of it. But we, we have all these social structures that we've learned to kind of hold back and be careful. And, and uh, so it kind of limits our ability to actually connect. So then we could actually use uh, the marriage and the sex and the spirituality as, as laboratories to test this out even more, to, to experience and enhance it even more. Well, I, I think to discover God more. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like if, you know, we're sexual beings, God is a sexual being. Um, I, I don't claim to understand the Trinity, but, right. but, but uh, sex kind of helps me because if God is a perfect lover, yeah. which is kind of the fundamental attribute of God, then the father loves the son, the son loves the spirit and the spirit loves the father. And in that, that love is back and forth and it's so perfect that they are one, but right. yet they are separate. And we get a, we get a glimpse of that. Right. In sex, yes. Right. But it's a very, it's a small it's, glimpse sometimes. Right. It's a very small, <laughs> well, there's this old Latin proverb that goes, every creature is sad following sexual intercourse. And I think it's because we, we had that little glimpse we of oneness. Little taste and, of it. and now we're back to our incomplete Okay. You know, self that just has to realize, uh, there's more. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, Chuck, um, any other last little things that, that have come up from, from what you have found that really would help the sexy marriage nation? Yeah. I, I like, I just like to say this. I think, I think that, um, if we prepare to actually meet the soul of our partner and the spirit of our partner, and God, we will, we will actually meet it. We will discover it. Right. Uh, and again, I think in the Old Testament, when the high priest would go in once a year to the holy place, he would do all these preparation offerings and rituals and so on. And, and it's kind of like, you know, going to church. <laughs> if we actually prepared ourselves to meet God, we'd probably meet God. But right. most of us just show up and just go. see what happens. Right. And I think it's the same in sex. If we actually prepare to meet the soul of the spirit of the other person and of ourselves and God, then we can 
actually discovered that that might happen. And I like kind of comparing it to what the Celts used to talk about. They used to talk about these spots in nature that they, they thought the spiritual and the natural energies crossed over easier. They called them thin spots. Okay. And I think self is a thin spot. Okay. I think sex that's, is a spot that we could actually go through easier to discover uh, something greater than ourselves. That's that's a great path and, and viewpoint to kind of think going forward. I like that. Hmm. Very good. So, Chuck, tell people how they can find you if they want to learn a little bit more. You know what? Probably the best way is just to email me. Okay. Because I, I've, I've got a number of articles that are in journals. Um, you know, and depending on whether people want to read academic journals right. or not. But, but I have some other, other ones, too. But if they're interested, they could email me at McNee, M-A-C-K-N-E-E, at T-W-U dot C-A. Okay. And uh, I'd be happy to send them some things. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so that uh, maybe there'll be some sure. follow-up because you'll have intrigued some memories and some thoughts like you did with me on this. This is this cool. is fantastic. So, Chuck, I have to say thank you for, for joining me and leading the charge on this one. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Uh, if we left something undone, uh, let me know, 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.